verses 6 through 11. That's our text for today. Verse 6, these are the words of the living God. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for gathering us together today to be instructed by your word, to worship you, to rest in you, to be in communion with you and with one another. We pray that you would bless us now as we hear from your word. Lord God, that you would speak clearly to us through it, that you would help me to get out of the way so that you can do that. I am just your vessel, your willing mouthpiece. Have your most holy way. And we commit this time unto your hands and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is indeed that time of year again where everybody is making New Year's resolutions. Uh, It is a new year with uh, new beginnings and people are planning on doing some new things. Uh, Many people during this time of year, they take up their Bible reading plan again. Has anybody started their Bible reading plan? I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. Right, We do that in the beginning of the year. Uh, other people are thinking about how they can uh, better treat their bodies this year, eating better, dieting, and exercising, and this sort of thing. Others of us are thinking about how we could spend our money uh, better this year. I know that I am thinking about how we're going to uh, spend this year, planning financially. Uh, but what I want us to focus on today is the fact that Jesus has ascended. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and because of that, the world has been given a new beginning. You see that? Jesus has ascended into heaven. There is now a man in heaven. This has never happened before. Reigning over heaven and earth. And because of that, the world, friends, has been given a new beginning. And because of this, friends, we can actually have victory in the world today. Today. We can have hope knowing that if we commit our work to Christ, he is faithful and able to bring it to completion. And indeed, he will. Our resolutions, he can help us with those things if we commit them to him, if they are done in him and for his name's sake. So three things today, three points, again, as usual, that we're going to learn from our text. The first is that because Jesus has ascended, we are to focus on what we've been called to do now. Because Jesus has ascended, we are to focus on what he has called us to do now. Okay, so that's point one. Point two, because Jesus 
has ascended, we are to bring every area of our lives into submission to him. And finally, because Jesus has ascended, we are not to stand staring into heaven. We are not to stand staring into heaven. For indeed, he is coming again. So we see that first point, because Jesus has ascended, we are to focus on what we've been called to do now in verses 6 through 8. So let's start back in verse 6. There we read, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So two questions. Why are they asking this question, and what does it mean? First of all, why are they asking this question? Well, that is because this is the question that has been on the horizon pretty much since the very beginning. They're asking about the restoration of all things. When is the world going to be set right? When are things going to be set in order? When are things going to be the way that they're supposed to be, the way that they were in the very beginning? Ever since the fall of man, uh, mankind has been looking forward to uh, this restoration. You will remember that uh, in the beginning, God had set apart the one man, Abraham, and his family to do this work in the world. And his family became the nation of Israel, from whom the Christ would come. And Jesus the Messiah has come, and with his arrival, he brought the kingdom of God here to earth. But everything still sort of looks the same. So what gives, right? Jesus came and he had this awesome ministry performing great miracles. He had this ministry of preaching. Uh, He lived, he died, he rose again. And everything, if we just look around, sort of seems to be the way that it was before he even came. So they're asking the question about uh, when will all of the blessings and the promises, the fullness of those blessings, come to their fruition? And I think they're asking a valid question. They're asking a valid question. The problem is that they are seeing things from the wrong perspective. Okay, They're seeing things from the wrong perspective. They thought that it would be instantaneous, that it would be immediate, that it would happen in a moment, that the Messiah would come, he would set up his kingdom, He would make Israel the head of all of the nations, and from them, all the world would receive blessing. They would receive the promised blessing, which is true, but the thing that they are going to, the thing that they're missing is that it does not happen in the way that they thought it was going to happen. (laughs) Friends, just as the fall of mankind into sin happened in a moment, and then the repercussions of that fall worked itself out and has been working itself out over thousands of years, so the restoration of mankind and the repercussions of that restoration work themselves out progressively over time, over thousands of years. Does that make sense? Let me explain. Through the fall of Adam, the curse of sin and death came upon the creation. Uh, and ever since then, mankind in the world has becoming has been becoming uh, more and more corrupt. Mankind has been living under the cruel bondage of sin and Satan, and the world has been groaning under the curse of death and the corruption of death in it. 
But at the cross, a great reversal took place. Okay? At the cross, at the death of resurrection, at the death, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the curse of sin and death has been reversed in the world. And as the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ works itself out into creation, that is, works itself out into mankind and the world, all of creation is going to experience a global restoration. And that is indeed what is happening today, friends. But it happens slowly, it happens progressively, and over time, and it happens through the preaching of the gospel and the expansion, development, and maturation of the church in human history and in time. That is how it happens, which is what Jesus says next in verses 7 and 8. Jesus tells us how it will come about. So they're asking about when, but Jesus tells them how. Let's look at 7 and 8. Again, I'll read 6 again. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This restoration that we've been talking about. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the end of the earth. So the disciples want to know when this thing is going to come about, and Jesus is not going to tell them when, He says that that has been fixed by the Father when it's going to come about. But he does mention how it is going to come about. Uh, They are asking about the fullness of the blessings of the kingdom here. And Jesus is essentially saying it doesn't all happen at once. It doesn't all happen at once. The fullness will come but not before some other things happen first, namely the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's what he says here in the text. In verse 8, we see just exactly how they will do that. They will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to Jesus. Right. So the gospel has to go to the ends of the earth. They've got to preach the gospel. How are they going to do it? They're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it, to be his witnesses. Where do they get this power from? Again, the Holy Spirit. What does this Holy Spirit empower them to do? To be his witnesses. Okay, And the word power is uh, used in connection with the miracles that the apostles perform throughout the book of Acts, uh, which, by the way, is a confirmation of the message that they preach. Let me say that again. The apostles are going to go out and preach Jesus and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. And the Holy Spirit is also going to empower them to do miracles, which will be a confirmation of the message that they preach to the hearers. It'll be an affirmation to them that the things they say are from God. They're going to go out into the world and preach Jesus, and when they preach Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, the world is transformed. This is what the apostles are to do after Jesus leaves, and this is how the restoration that they're asking about, comes to fruition. It is through faithful gospel ministry. As men and women go and faithfully administer the truth of the gospel, as they witness to the truth of Jesus Christ in the world, 
During the time in between his first and second coming, the kingdom of God grows and expands in the world, bringing about the restoration of all things. So there's one thing that we're supposed to be doing, and there's one thing that we're not supposed to be doing. Did any of you pick up on it? One thing we're supposed to be doing, one thing that we're not supposed to be doing. The thing that we're supposed to be doing between the first and second coming of Jesus Christ is bearing witness. It's bearing witness to the truth of Jesus. The thing that we're not supposed to be doing is trying to figure out when it's all finished. Trying to figure out when it's going to come to a completion. Try to figure out when we're done preaching the gospel, when it's enough. We're not supposed to try to figure that out. Let me say that again. The thing that we are supposed to be doing is gospel ministry, which brings about restoration. The thing we're supposed to be doing is gospel ministry, which brings about restoration. We are not supposed to be trying to figure out the time and date of the second coming of Jesus Christ, at which time that restoration will come to its completion. Okay? Now, there are many in the day in which we are living who spend an incredible amount of time trying to discern when Jesus will come again. As a matter of fact, there are whole schools of thought that are formulated around this idea that Jesus is going to come and he's going to snatch the church out of the way and then the world is going to basically uh, go down the tubes. And these prophecy gurus, these date setters, uh, specifically the ones who are setting dates, uh, oftentimes form, uh, they form movements around themselves and whole ideologies that are focused on when Jesus is going to return. And they're also very fixated on one particular piece of land over in the Middle East. And friends, this is what I want you to be on guard against, adopting this way of thinking. This is what we are not supposed to do. It is as my old pastor used to say, we are not to be doing newspaper exegesis. That is, we are not to be looking at the media and in the news and at the latest world events to try to figure out if Jesus is coming soon. What we're supposed to be doing is looking into the scriptures and see what it tells us we're supposed to be doing uh, in between his first and second coming. And there, friends, we see that we are told that we are to be bearing witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. And it is through this means that God will bring about that restoration of all things and usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ, but uh, not before. And so it's not about when, it's about how, okay? It's not about when, it's about how. We are to work alongside God to bring about this global restoration that the disciples were looking forward to, and we do it through gospel ministry. Now, how do we do this? How do we do this gospel ministry uh, that I've been talking about? How do we do this bearing witness to the truth of Jesus Christ that I've been talking about? Well, it is the things that we do in love accompanied by the things that we say. Let me say that again. It's the things that we do in love accompanied by the things that we say, namely the things that we say about Jesus that make all the difference in the world. Again, friends, and we've uh, been talking about this, we have been given a ministry of people. And so we are supposed to be getting to know people building relationships with people, being around other people, so that perhaps God might grant us another opportunity to minister to them. And in order for us to do this, one of the things we have to do is put ourselves out there. 
one of the things we have to do is put ourselves out there. And what I mean by that is putting ourselves into situations where we come alongside other people and we have an opportunity to minister to them. If you're not around people, you can't minister to people, right? So you have to be putting yourself into situations, doing things that bring you into uh, um, an opportunity, uh, bringing you into relationship with other uh, people. And when we do that, we are to be praying for God to give us opportunities of how we can minister to these people, to uh, guide us and to provide opportunities, and indeed we will, but we have to be there uh, with people. And what we are to do is we're to tell them about Jesus Christ, right? It's that simple. Tell them what, when we get that opportunity, we tell them what we have learned about Jesus Christ, and the God, and through that, God brings about healing and restoration in their lives like we could have never imagined. And little by little, one person at a time, one family at a time, one church at a time, God is at work in the world to bring about the restoration of all things through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is through this means that he has appointed, through the preaching of the gospel, through the ministry that we have of witnessing to Jesus Christ today, that it comes about. That is how it is brought about. And, of course, he brings it to a completion at his second coming. So because Jesus has ascended, we are to focus on what we have been called to do now. We are to focus on what he has called us to do now. We see that second point, because Jesus has ascended, we are to bring every area of our lives into submission to him in verse 9. Let's read that again. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. <clears throat> the text tells us that while they were standing there looking, a cloud took Jesus up into heaven. And I don't think we often feel the weight of what is being said there. A cloud uh, throughout the Bible uh, represents the glory of God. In the Old Testament, we see uh, that God is hidden uh, by the clouds, or he is represented by the clouds, or he comes riding on the clouds. So where is Jesus going up in the clouds, while well, he is going into the presence of God. He is ascending to his throne. And indeed, we see that in Daniel chapter 7. Uh, I think I have it here. It's the next slide. Yeah, this is Daniel chapter 7. We see Jesus ascending on a cloud into heaven to be enthroned as king. Let's read it. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming, that's Jesus, And he came up to the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. This is the enthronement of Jesus Christ. Um, This is his uh, ascension into heaven, what we're looking at here in the book of Acts. But it's just another picture of it that we see. Um, this, This is the ascension of the king to his throne. As I've said, a man is now sitting on the throne. And he is reigning over heaven and earth. And this has never happened before. This has never been the situation Prior to this, and that is why I said I don't think we often feel the weight of what is being said here. Do we understand the
the implications of what it means for Jesus to go up into heaven on a cloud. Do we feel the weight of that? This is the ascension of the king to his throne. It would be as if we were to watch an earthly king today walk up the red carpet steps to the golden throne where he sits down in his his place of power and influence. But in this case, we see the king of kings ascend into heaven where he sits down at the right hand of the father, the place of all power and influence. And indeed, he is given a reign over all of heaven and all of earth. You see, this is not a limited reign in any sense. His power is not limited. His rule is not limited. His place of influence is not limited. It is total. Total reign. Total power. Total influence. Total dominion over everywhere and everything. Abraham Kuyper once said it like this, There is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. Do you hear that? There is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. It all belongs to him. There is nothing in all of creation that he does not have dominion over. Now, if this is true, what are some of the implications of it for our lives today? Well, there are many, right? Uh, If he has all rule and all dominion and all power and all authority, and indeed he does... Is there any area of our lives over which we can say it does not matter what we do here? (laughs) I mean, no. Obviously, no. If it's all um, uh, encompassing, the reign is total. There is nothing that we do that is not under his dominion. Therefore, there is not one area of our lives that are not to be brought into subjection to him. What is the greatest commandment? Well, you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. This is what Jesus essentially says. All your mind, all your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. That's your entire being. That's everything that you are. Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever met anybody who has loved the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength uncompromisingly without fail? No, you have not. But the good news is Jesus has. <laughs> Jesus has. Jesus never failed to love the Lord his God with all that he was, with everything that he had. He always loved him with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And therefore, we can have hope that when we fail to love him the way that we ought to, Jesus has already loved him. And because of this, Jesus is our Savior. Because he does not fail, because he's perfectly obedient, Um, because he was obedient unto death, he has been enthroned and made Lord of all. He has been exalted, as I've said, to the right hand of the Father and made King and Lord. And if he is King and Lord, he has the right to require some things of us, doesn't he? And if he's King and Lord, he can require some things of us, and indeed he requires us to do the same. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? 
So what are some ways that we can love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength better? Um, well, one of the ways, let's just take the heart, for instance, that we could love Him better with all of our heart is by uh, giving our all to Him, right? By doing everything that we do for Him. Um, one of the ways I think that we often fail to do this is that we're focused on ourselves or on our own situation, and we're not putting God first, but we're always putting ourselves first. <clears throat> Another simple way is, how about doing it His way instead of our own way? Right? We always want it our way. We want to do it our way, um, but we need to do it His way. So we love Him with all of our heart. What about all of our strength? Uh, one of the ways that we could love Him better with all of our strength is not by uh, serving Him sort of half-wittedly or uh, half-heartedly, but, but, but by serving Him with all that we are. And what about our minds? This is an important one. I think about, I think most of the time when we think of how we can serve Him, we're always thinking about what we can do with our hands, right? But how can we serve Him with all of our minds. We've been called, indeed, to serve Him with all of our minds. One of the ways you do that is right now when you engage yourself in the preaching of the Word. You sit here and engage your mind and listen to the Word of God being preached. That is worshiping God with your mind, right? Uh, We need to learn the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. We need to be able to give an answer for the hope uh, that is in us when anybody would ask us. Instead of always trying to rely on the latest cliche or the philosophy of our day, just grabbing a hold of that. We have to be tough-minded and do what it takes, do the tough work, taking our minds and committing them to learning the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, and memorizing the Word of God so that we have it, so that we have it here. Because if Jesus has ascended, and indeed He has, and if He has all power and authority, and he does, then every aspect of our being is supposed to be submitted to him. Heart, mind, soul, strength, everything that we are. So because Jesus has ascended, we are to bring every area of our lives into submission to him. There's not one aspect of our being uh, that we can leave kind of out there hanging. Excuse me. We see that third and final point, because Jesus has ascended, we are not to stand staring into heaven in verses 10 and 11. Let's read that one more time. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay, so two things that I want to mention about these two verses. First, the two angels question them about why they stand gazing into heaven. Now, naturally, if your best friend just got taken up into heaven in a cloud, you would kind of be standing there looking in wonder and amazement, right? But uh, I think that the angels are getting at something more specific with their question here about why do you stand looking up into heaven. Jesus had told the disciples what they were to do after he left, and now that he was gone, there was nothing left for them to do but to get busy about his work here on earth. Jesus gave them instructions. They were to go to Jerusalem, and they were to wait until they were endued with power from on high, until they received the Holy Spirit so that they could go and be his witnesses to the end of the earth. They do not need to stand looking up at the sky. They need to get to work. 
They don't need to stand there looking. They need to get to work. And the angels encourage the disciples with this truth about the second coming of Jesus Christ. They say, he's, go- he's coming in the same way he went. <laughs> right? You saw him go. He's going to come in that same way again, which is the second thing I want to mention. He's coming again in the same way that he left. Uh, that is the glorified man, uh, Jesus Christ, the second person of the uh, Trinity, is going to return bodily from heaven uh, at the end of the church age to bring about the restoration, uh, to bring the restoration of this world to its completion. That will be the final event in, in human history as we know it, friends. Jesus Christ will return from heaven and he will judge the whole world. But until then, as we read uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, he is presently at work. We read this passage this morning. He's presently at work to bring all things into subjection to himself. That's what he's doing right now. He's bringing everything into subjection to himself. And how is he doing that? He is doing it by way of the church. It is through our uh, faithful gospel preaching. It is through our faithful witness. It is through the ministry that uh, we do that he is working in the world to extend his rule until all things are in submission to him. And then he will take it and deliver it back over to the Father like a nice, neat little gift wrapped up with a bow on top of it, but not until then. Right? But that's, that's what he is doing. Right? He is working in the world to um, subdue all things to himself, and he will sit there until he has. And again, he's doing it through uh, the ministry that he's committed to us. So what does that mean for you and me, believer? Well, that we can't just stand there gazing into heaven waiting for his return. Right? We, we can't just stand there gazing into heaven. And many believers unwittingly adopt this mindset. We, we think that the only thing that matters is up there, the, the heavenly things, right? The only thing that matters is that my spirit is saved and that I'm going to heaven uh, when I die. But that, that misses a huge part of uh, the redemption of Jesus Christ, which is uh, the restoration of all things. Friends, let's not forget that as Jesus went, he is coming again, Right? As he went, he is coming again. And how did he go? In a body. He, he went in a body. God came down to earth to redeem this earth. God put on flesh to redeem our flesh. He came to this world to redeem this world. He comes into our lives to redeem our lives. And friends, this restoration begins right now. We can experience the benefits of our salvation right now in the physical realm, and in the future in a physical realm. It's now in a physical realm, and in the future in a physical realm. Many times when people think of the eternal state, they think that they are going up there into uh, the sky, and they're going to live in this spiritual state that is very much unlike the world in which we live today, we're going to float around in, in clouds like vapors and sing, Jesus loves me for the rest of eternity. But friends, that is not the picture that is presented to us in Scripture. The Bible teaches that God is bringing heaven down to earth. He came to bring heaven down to earth. We pray in the Lord's Prayer every week, let your kingdom what? Come. We want the kingdom to come where? Here, from heaven to earth. We pray, let your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven, and indeed it will be, Jesus is coming to reign on the earth. And what will that earth look like? Well, 
It will be a glorified, transformed earth, but nevertheless, it will be an earth, uh, completely restored inside of a new heaven that has been completely restored. And by the way, we will live in that new earth and in that new heaven in physical, glorified, resurrected bodies like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in the end of, I think it's Luke, one of the Gospels, see that I have flesh and bones. After the resurrection, he has flesh and bones. We will have glorified physical resurrected bodies in which we will dwell inside of a new heaven on a new renovated and restored earth for all of eternity. And because of that, everything matters. Everything matters. The things that we do for Christ last. So does God care about the world out there, the way that it looks? You better believe it. Does he care about the kind of music that we make, the books that we write, the kind of crops that we grow? Um, Does he care about the work that we do? Well, you better believe it. Everything matters. Why? Because Jesus has come to restore the world, this world. He's come to restore this world. And because Jesus is coming again to earth to set all things right, we should be motivated to make sure that we're at work right now, to set things right as best we can before he comes. Because again, one of the ways that Jesus is at work to bring about this restoration of all things is through the work that we do in the world, through gospel ministry in the here and now. And therefore, we should be all the more diligent to perform the work that he has called us to do now. The work that he's called us to do now, because we know our labor is not in vain, for indeed he will come one day to bring all of our labors to a completion. He's coming again, right? So it all matters. It all matters. So we have seen that Jesus is indeed seated in heaven, reigning as king. He has ascended his throne and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father, the place of all power and influence. And because of that, we are to set our focuses on what he has called us to do now. Moreover, We have seen that every area of our existence is to be brought into submission to him. And if he indeed reigns over everything that there is, and he does, then there is nothing that should not be brought into subjection to him. And finally, we have seen that we are not to stand staring into heaven, but we are to get busy about his business here on earth because everything that we do matters. Everything that we do is part of the work that he is doing to restore this world. So let us commit ourselves this year in the new year to the work of the Lord, knowing that the things that we undertake in his name are not in vain, but that he will help us to accomplish them, and he will indeed come one day and bring this great work of global restoration to its completion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ascension of a man uh, to his throne. He sits rightfully uh, there. That is where he belongs. He is king. He is Lord. He is God. Let this truth change us. Let it change the way that we think about what we're doing now. What we're doing now. Let it change the way we think about everything that we do, every aspect of our lives, everything that we are. 
and let it change our perspective on this world and everything that we do, since everything we do matters. You are one day coming again to bring this work to a completion. Let us be diligent about your work until then, for it's in Jesus' name we pray.